Yes, so I immediately responded when you asked uh, which song and uh, about uh, from this album uh, would you like to talk about? And uh, I immediately responded in search of Peter Pan because it's been one of my favorites for a long time. And I think compared to some of the other songs on that album, people don't speak about it much. Or, or I, I don't know about people, but you don't, mm-hmm. you know, if you Google it, there's not so much about it or... Uh, they, it's it's a, maybe a bit uh, underrated. It seems so basic when she's before she gets into the actual when you wish upon a star, but she's just e- evoking some lines. I think they're from the book. Doesn't the book also have the second star on the right, straight mm-hmm. on till morning? I just that always struck me. I can imagine being on you know like a pirate ship or something sailing through the stars mm-hmm. that way. And so when I heard her pull that from the book, even though, you know, she didn't write that part of it. That just jumps out at me like there's no tomorrow. So Peter Pan, I was, there was the first time I heard it and really was listening carefully. I was listening to it and I was just blown away by not the, uh, not the lyrics so much as the musical changes. It sounds like, it's almost like it's three songs. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the second track from Kate Bush's second album, Lionheart, called In Search of Peter Pan. You got really into punk music in your teens. Who was the first punk band you fell in love with? That's a good question because I, I, I mean, I was kind of the younger. A lot of the people I was hanging out at that time were like three or four years older than me, and I kind of liked the spirit more of of punk and yeah. the, and the sort of idea of indie labels and do it DIY and all this kind of stuff. And I wasn't that crazy about the music. Obviously, I would like something like Susie and the Banshees, but. I'd, I never owned their albums. I, I would sort of hear it more in parties. Like the records I owned and cherished was more like Kate Bush. But I think that Peter Pan sung on her second album. What is it about that tune? Not sure. I mean, I wasn't that sharp in English back then. But I just really understood the, the, the emotion. It was really sort of feminine and very sort of possessed and emotional and very open. And it wasn't so structured. The structure was more like liquid or something. And I guess I understand, stood in my sort of naive ways that here was a structure that was not square like rock and roll and punk and masculine somehow, but it was more curvy. That was Bjork talking during an interview in the UK for BBC Six Music on December 2nd, 2017. 
to say that I got an enthusiastic response when I put out a call for fans to talk about their favorite songs from Lionheart is an understatement. I was so pleased to get such a positive response for the podcast and especially for the song. And the reason for that is because I, at least in my experience, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this song. In a sense, it's not hard to see why. I think it gets overlooked by Wow, the mega hit from this album, which comes after this track. The song was never released as a single, so unless you bought Lionheart and therefore you were a fan, you wouldn't know about this song. It also was never performed on TV like some of the other tracks from this album, like Kashika from Baghdad and Don't Push Your Foot on the Heartbreak. Those last two songs were never released as singles. However, they were performed on TV. And in the case of one of them, uh, Don't Push Your Foot on the Heartbreak, it was performed during the Kate Bush Christmas special. This song has only ever been performed live once, and that was during the third act of Kate's sprawling tour of life shows that ran from April to May 1979. The footage of which has never been officially released, but which is now on that great media hub called YouTube. Old bootleg version there. I think that it's rather unfortunate that the song is overlooked the way it is. There's this gentle beauty to it, especially the way she uses her voice to convey the emotions of the character. There's the beautiful piano riff in the beginning that just sets the mood for the song. A minor is a beautifully moody key, and that's the song that that's the key that the song is in. This was a standout for me when I first heard Lionheart on a cold French afternoon in mid-February. I had the windows open airing out my room, and I would listen to this song and this album. And it takes me right back to sitting on my on my bed listening to this album, and especially with the windows open, like in the Peter Pan story. Speaking of the uh, Peter Pan story, so this song is the first of several from Lionheart that make explicit references to British culture. In fact, if I had to describe Lionheart to someone who isn't already familiar with Kate Bush's music, it would be the adjective English. As I talked about with Zoe in the album introduction episode, Kate uses many references to British culture in the songs from Lionheart to evoke a sense of safety and home. And this song in particular references Peter Pan, who was a character created by a Sir James Matthew Barry, first baronet, more popularly known as J.M. Barry. He was born on May 9th, 1860. He died on June 19th, 1937. He was born and educated in Scotland, and he later moved to London, where he found great success as a playwright and a novelist. Peter Pan's name comes from two sources. Peter Llewellyn Davies, one of the five Llewellyn Davies boys who inspired the story, and Pan, who was a half-human, half-goat minor deity of Greek mythology who would play pipes for the nymphs. And I remember in particular in the 1953 animated version of Peter Pan from Disney, 
that Peter Pan would often take out his pipes and he would just start playing them. So a little reference there to the original Greek story. Peter Pan is best known as an older child, usually like a 10 or 11 year old, I would kind of guess. But the first appearance of this character um, was actually uh, Peter Pan when he was only a week old. He made his first appearance in a chapter called Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens in J.M. Barrie's novel, The Little White Bird, published in 1902. Two years later, J.M. Barrie went back to the character and made him the focus of a stage play called Peter Pan or The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up. And this time, Peter Pan was an older child and played by a woman. It should be noted that traditionally, Peter Pan has been played by a woman, even though obviously Peter Pan is supposed to be a guy. And in this play... We have the story of an ageless boy and an ordinary girl named Wendy who have adventures in Neverland. After the massive success of that play, the chapters with Peter Pan from The Little White Bird were republished separately in 1906 under the title Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens with illustrations by Arthur Rackham. And now Kensington Gardens is going to come up later in O England, My Lionheart. FYI. Now, there have been countless adaptations of the Peter Pan story over the years. The version I know the best is the 1953 Disney animated version. There's also Hook, the Steven Spielberg movie from 1991. The very first film adaptation of this story was a 1924 silent film version. Most recently, Peter Pan made an appearance in the TV series Once Upon a Time, a show that I keep meaning to get into, but there are just too many things to watch these days. One of my other favorite artists, Tori Amos, even references the story for her song Operation Peter Pan, a B-side from the early 2000s, and that itself, Operation Peter Pan, was a Cuban government operation to get out as many young children as they could when Fidel Castro took over. Fun fact, Peter Pan may have also inspired Tolkien when it came to his original conception of the elves in Middle Earth. Wouldn't surprise me there if you're familiar with Tolkien. When it comes to Kate's take on this story, and especially her reference to the original story by J.M. Barrie, what touches me the most is that she is a woman who is singing from the point of view of a man. And I cannot think of many other female songwriters who are willing to change genders in that way, who are willing to tell a story from a male point of view. This is the first song on Lionheart where we get to hear Kate Bush becoming a man. Next week's song, Wow, that she also plays the role of a gay theater actor in Kashka from Baghdad, she's a man as well. Oh, England, my Lionheart, she's a World War II fighter pilot, so on, so on. And later, of course, she actually becomes a boy on screen when she decides to play Willem Reich's son for the cloud-busting music video. Can't wait to get to that one. So Kate has no problem slipping into the role of another character, even somebody of the opposite gender. And that absolutely fascinates me about... Kate Bush, and especially about this album. Now, on to discussing this song. As I mentioned, I got to talk with three fans of this song, and each of them have some wonderful personal connections to this song that I'm so happy to get to share with you all. 
Rebecca Cormand is a longtime fan from Denmark, and she has some great personal insights and takes on the lyrics. She's the first fan you're going to get to hear from. The second one is Rick Campbell, an actor from Toronto, Canada, who also has some personal connections to In Search of Peter Pan. Wayne Henderson is a fellow podcaster from Southern California, and he also has some great insights to this song and some stories about what this song means to him. So it was great to talk with so many different people about this song, and I hope that you will enjoy listening to their conversations as much as I enjoyed taking part in them. So without further ado, let's get into the personal insights about the song. Then we're going to follow that up with a little bit of the history of the song, and then talking about the only time that the song has ever been performed live on the tour of life. Here we go. Hello. Hello. It's Cecily. Hi, Cecily. Hi. Nice to speak to you. Hi. Nice to speak with you, too. Yes. So I immediately responded when you asked uh, which song and uh, about uh, from this album uh, would you like to talk about? And uh, I immediately responded in search of Peter Pan because it's been one of my favorites for a long time. And I think compared to some of the other songs on that album, you do, people don't speak about it much. Or, or I, I don't know about people, but you don't, mm-hmm. you know, if you Google it, there's not so much about it or uh, they, it's it's a, maybe a bit uh, underrated. Um, I think so. I agree. Yeah. So, so what, uh, why did you particularly connect with the song? Um, I, 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 for many years, I didn't. Uh, I had a, or I have a son who is now who is now a grown up. Uh, when he was uh, little, he had an immense imagination, mm-hmm. and he could, you know, for hours he was uh, he was playing with uh, uh, and you know impersonating his heroes, uh, whatever if it was Batman or Superman or, or whatever. And uh, he would like go into that world and and be so immersed in it. And uh, of course, that slowly disappeared. And uh, and uh, a few, I mean, maybe uh, when they were grown teenagers. I mean, I was in a bus, and a group of children came in uh, with these uh, five-year-old boys, and one of them was dressed as Batman. Oh. And he was sitting on on the on the bus seat next to me. Uh, you know, they were distributing the kids among the seats, mm-hmm. and he was like sitting. And he said, every you know, twenty second, he said, "I'm Batman. I'm Batman." <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and I just started crying <laughs> because because it was so real for him that he was Batman. Mm-hmm. You know that that he was immersed in his imagination and fantasy, mm-hmm. and 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 the uh, the line between him and his imaginary figure was sort of blurred. You know, you it it was he was that he was Batman in his in his head. He was Batman, mm-hmm. and you take that and then you go out in the world, and of course, uh, slowly, slowly, he's not going to be Batman anymore. Mm-hmm. But the whole, uh, 
excitement about being Batman, about being a hero, that uh, that uh, it really got to me that, you know, my son had lost this and, and the whole, when we used to play, that, that we he, he was there at that point and he's not anymore. That reality called on him. And yeah. so I was thinking, next time I heard the song, I was like, Wow, this is what it is about, you know. This is, this is, uh, this is uh, the whole uh, uh, difference between, uh, you know, being able to uh, to go into a world uh, that is uh, not the real world, and and living it and dreaming it, mm-hmm. and then the 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 grown up, the the reality. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It it, uh, it it's it's something on the outside that tries to to uh, impose your, itself on you. Yeah, definitely. And so I got immediately to the punchline, right? <laughs> so, but this is uh, no. So this is like the the uh, and and so that the song suddenly started to live in a different way and become uh, much more relevant for me than it had been previously. Uh, and and I always, you know, uh, I I don't get a tears in my eyes, but I I I just, you know, I I I connect to it emotionally, and I also because I miss my son and I miss my children when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is uh, and the way we uh, and, and their childhood. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, uh, so, but this is uh, this is how I connected to the song. It's interesting because, like, if I'm in the right mood for this song, it can make me cry a little bit yeah. for kind of the same reasons you're talking about. I mean, yes. I'm I don't have any children of my own. Um, I have uh, I call them fur babies. Um, they're basically my three cats. <laughs> yeah, I call yeah, them fur yeah. babies because they act like kids sometimes, but you yeah. know they won't grow up and disappoint me, like human kids might um but if i'm in the right mood like for the some things you're talking about like kind of a loss of innocence there's i i definitely get that from this song and i agree that it is very underrated this has always been one of my favorites from lionheart like seriously and not yeah. a lot of people talk about it no no <laughs> and no i don't think it, yeah and yet it's, I mean, just in general, Lionheart, a lot of people kind of disparage it. They're just kind of like, oh, well, that was the rushed follow-up to Lot to Kick Inside, blah, 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 blah. And no, it's got some really great songs on there. Yeah, I think I think the songs are excellent. You know, you don't get many songs, uh, I mean, not compared to now, et cetera, but, but you just don't get... You know, it's it's brilliant songwriting, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, I don't know much about. As I said, I don't know much about the history of uh, of uh, of the songs, and you know, this and that. Uh, uh, I'm not that kind of fan, <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, but it but it's uh, to me, it's I mean, it's just you know, very good songwriting, and they remind so much about. The, the song she wrote uh, for for the kick inside the way the whole the whole build up of the song is that it might be that the that the producing is not the same but it doesn't really matter the songs are very good mm-hmm. and her voice is is amazing 
I also got to talk with Wayne Henderson from Southern California, and he had these thoughts and personal connection to this song. Let's take a listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on my show. Yay. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it, Cecily. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're talking about In Search of Peter Pan, which I understand is uh, one of your favorite Kate songs. So what is your uh, what's your history with this song? The history with this particular song was uh, after having the kick inside and soaking it up back in the day for, it was like six months or so, I got a little late to the party. Then I noticed, because I always checked at my local record store way back in the day, and finally noticed that Kate had a new album, a second album called Lionheart. So I bought it, it was probably the week it came out or maybe the week after, whenever payday was, and I just soaked up the album because I'd already done soaked up the kick inside uh, and still love that one to this day. But for whatever reason, uh, this song and in the warm room, they both just really stood out for me on the album. And I don't know if it was because of the, the little Peter Pan refrain at the, at the end of the track in search of Peter Pan. I know that uh, I think just earlier that same year, maybe the year before uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss, uh, I was a huge Kiss fan back in the day, they put out mm-hmm. their solo albums and he did a version of When You Wish Upon a Star. So I thought there might be this When You Wish Upon a Star, Peter Pan renaissance going on in the late 70s. <laughs> so I thought, wow, two artists that I really enjoy, both covering uh, information on Peter Pan. And just there's something special about the song, the the subject matter, the the lyrics, the the piano tone that Kate uses some interesting Mm -hmm. vocal stuff. It just gets me every time. I think I've played this track well over 500 times and I'm not done yet. Wow. Yeah. So it sounds like you really, really connected with the song. Yeah. It's so unique, especially after playing the kick inside. And that was the only Kate available at the time. And then you get this second album and a lot of artists, you know, they have the sophomore slump and I don't believe Kate did. This was a bit of a departure, nothing compared to what she would do later on. But just hearing the way this song goes, it's so different than anything on the kick inside. Her voice is Mm -hmm. in top form and just unique production. It just really sets a mood. It gives me a feel. I don't know how to put words to it. Isn't that strange? (laughs) Well, I do always feel like Kate is one of those artists that you don't, you just have to feel what you, you, you there's sometimes like no words you can use to describe your music it's just it's just something you feel yeah and i'm glad that the lyrics were available for this song because the one thing that kind of struck me with in search of peter pan was the fact that some of the lyrics i couldn't understand what kate was saying until i got the lyrics and you know read along while she was singing and and then it's just a, such an interesting story. And I've always kind of wondered, you know, what do you suppose Kate might have been planning to do if she did, in fact, later become an astronaut and then found Peter Pan? I I want to know what Kate's idea for a sequel to this would have been. Hmm. Maybe it maybe somebody actually finding Peter Pan and not getting to grow up and like not getting to grow up and you just get to stay young or something like that. Sounds fun in a lot of respects. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) indeed. 
The other fan I got to talk with for the song was Rick Campbell, an actor from Toronto, Canada. Here's what he had to say about the song and what it means to him. Uh, well, it's funny, actually, because Lionheart was an album that... Um, Lionheart was one of the first albums that I heard uh, by Kate. I don't think I heard the first album in its entirety. I heard some tracks off of it, but I don't think I... I don't remember... It's going back some. I don't think I remember hearing um, the whole album. I didn't know anybody who had it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't buy it. Um, I was into a whole different scene back then, musically. So uh, although I liked Man with a Child in His Eyes, and I kind of liked Wuthering Heights, even though I couldn't quite figure it out. (laughs) It it sounded very weird back in 1978. I bet. She just sounded completely off the wall like Mm -hmm. at that time. Because at that time you had punk, and then you had sort of, Old cla- you had well, it wasn't old back then. You had classic rock, and they were, you know, and disco, and they were fighting it out. So when Kate came in, it was like, what the hell is this? And then, interestingly enough, is that people from each group mm-hmm. liked her, right? So you know, like John Lydon of the Sex Pistols loves her. So um, I didn't. So that wasn't that familiar with that album. And then I was in Vancouver in. I guess it was 1980 and uh, my brother had Lionheart and he threw it on Um, and that's how I heard the whole album and I may have seen Lionheart on television Mm -hmm. I may have seen her doing it uh, the live tour Um, or I may I don't think there's a video a proper video for it I think there's just the clip of her doing it as part of her uh, live show from 1979, I think. Mm-hmm. So well, they um, did have the they did officially release about half the show on uh, Laserdisc and VHS a couple of years later, right. but it didn't. But it didn't include like half the show, including In Search of Peter Pan. And, and yeah. I have an EP. I have an EP. I don't know whether it came out in the states. Hold on, I'm going to get it. Cool. Well, I see you've got all your vinyl right back there. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this would be a good spot. Um, Where is it? Here it is. This EP? Oh, the onstage EP. Oh, yeah. 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 So I bought that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember when, though. Probably, what the heck? I think there was a penny in that cover. (laughs) (laughs) There's a... I think that's a penny. I have to look. Hold on. <laughs> it sounded like a penny. or Yeah, there's a Canadian penny in that cover. Actually, I was about to say, but don't you guys no longer make pennies? <laughs> no, but I mean, God knows when it was put in the cover. You oh, know what I mean? Right. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know when that penny went in that cover or why it's in the cover. There's no reason for it. Anyway, um, so I heard the album that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I heard Lionheart. But I probably also heard it on a, there's a radio station in Toronto in the late 70s, an excellent radio station called CFNY Mm -hmm. FM. And they were one of the few radio stations in Canada in the late 70s that were playing, uh, that that followed a free form format and uh, played Kate Bush a lot. They were like big boosters for her from the beginning. 
and uh, they also um, uh, would have played that song for sure. I would have heard it on on CFNY. So it's entirely possible that's where I heard it first. But as for Peter Pan, the first time I heard it was uh, probably around the first time I keyed into it would have been 1980. And mm-hmm. quite honestly, for the first a year or two after that, I heard a fair bit of Kate Bush. Uh, I was doing theater in um, Aurelia, Ontario one summer. I think it was the summer of 1982. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, I had a girlfriend who at the time who had all of her albums and we used to play them a lot. So I would have heard all those albums then. And then when we broke up, I stopped playing Kate Bush for a while. I couldn't listen to her. And um, I started listening to her again, probably when The Dreaming came out, which blew my mind. <laughs> and then Hounds of Love came out while, uh, while I was in England, while I was living in England, I think, the second time I lived in England. So... Um, this whole relationship with Kate Bush has been kind of weird because I lived in England in in uh, I was there in '79 and then I actually lived there late 1980 into '81. So I got the full blast of her early stardom, British stardom, mm-hmm. while I was over there. So she was a big big deal over there in a way that she wasn't even in Canada. So um, Peter Pan. Peter Pan, the song, In Search of Peter Pan, has come to mean a lot to me more just in the last couple of years than it did then. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't own the album, even though I owned a, almost all of her other records, I finally picked it up about two summers ago. I was doing theater. I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. I was doing theater. I was doing Shakespeare in Kingston, Ontario, which is um, east of here, about two hours east of Toronto. Okay. And they have one of it, it, one of the most insane used record stores you can imagine. Just oh. insane. <laughs> and I knew about it and I went, I bet you I could get Lionheart there. I bet you I, I didn't know at the time that you can get Lionheart just about anywhere. It's the one mm-hmm. Kate Bush album that you can get easily in Toronto. I didn't know that at the time. So I got this copy. They had five copies of it. Wow. So I went through them all, perused them very carefully, and managed to get this one. This is a British pressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only 10 bucks, Canadian. And, uh, and consequently, this is my first, the first copy of the, uh, I've ha- I had it on cassette for a number of years. But this is the first copy I've ever owned, and I started playing it. And like Never Forever, it was like, because I hadn't played them to death, like I have all her other stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> including, you know, 50 Words for Snow, etc. Mm-hmm. I um, I played them a lot. And over the last two years, I would probably guess, it just disappeared on me there for a second. I, I would probably guess that uh, they're the albums that I've played the most, just because they're the albums I'm least familiar with mm-hmm. and Never Forever was probably the well with the exception of maybe Ariel is the most the, the album I played the most in the last couple of years just because it's like wow I really you know forgot all about this record right mm-hmm. so P- 
Peter Pan, I was there was the first time I heard it and really was listening carefully. I was listening to it and I was just blown away by not the uh, not the lyrics so much as the musical changes. It sounds like it's almost like it's three songs. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, there's a, a British uh, critic who once said of the Beatles, the reason the Beatles were that the Beatles were underrated. And that they were underrated because they were even better than you think they are. In that <laughs> their early songs, particularly the you know 64, 65, 66, those early hits, rather than one hook, most pop songs have a hook. Mm-hmm. Um, their songs had three, and um, which is true to, in a lot of their songs. So. This this song, like when it goes from, uh, I've got it with me so I can do this. Mm-hmm. When, I'm looking at the lyrics now for people who are listening. Cool, um, me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, when it goes from, they took the game right out of it. That's a change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it, it it goes from this kind of ethereal, um, sad sort of. Uh, but I don't know. I don't even know what key it's in. It's an A minor, actually. A minor, okay. Which so is, it is one of like my absolute favorite keys, like to to compose in. Yeah. It's so it's so sad. Like even sadder than say B flat minor or something like that. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Right. It's it it starts in A minor and then that they took the game right out of it. I think just switches to C major. Right. So it switches to a major. It's not a, and it's not a kind. It's not a. It's not a reggae beat, but it's that kind of close to reggae beat that she likes mm-hmm. to play around with, like in Them yeah. Heavy, um, which is actually closer to a bonafide reggae kind of thing. Um, so it goes to that, and uh, then there's the verse where she says, when I am a man, which is kind of this crescendo that's happening, mm-hmm. I will be an astronaut and find Peter Pan, and like crescendo... And then it's like it takes off into the stratosphere. It's like it's almost like you're up in the stars when she's singing the the the, the couplet, second star on the right, straight on mm-hmm. till. And I remember, I remember, I'm getting a little teary eyed just talking about this. Aww. I remember when I heard it. When I, re- I remember when I heard that, it had been a while since I'd heard the song. Like I mean, years. I just went, oh my god, this is like. This is like, I don't know, this is, she goes from this very sad, ballady kind of, but, but unusual melody, mm-hmm. to the, a kind of a funky little, you know, quasi-reggae thing, and then just off, and then this crescendo off into the stars with this mm-hmm. kind of gorgeous, it's so beautiful, so beautiful. And then, then it, she brings it back down into A minor. I just went like, oh my God, that's amazing. She was what? 19 years old, maybe, when she wrote the song. Now we're going to get into one of my personal favorite parts of doing these episodes, talking about the lyrics to the song. As you're going to get to hear, each person that I spoke with had a slightly different take on the lyrics especially based on their own personal connections with the lyrics of In Search of Peter Pan. Take a listen. So, Especially on this, like she, she does a lot of like her swoops. She she swoops around a lot with her voice. Like she starts kind of high with, you know, it's been such a long week, so much crying. Mm -hmm. 
And I love, like, especially in the live, have you seen the, um, because she only ever did this once live and it was on her tour of life. Have you seen on YouTube, um, like the clip of her doing this song live by any chance? I I just saw it when I knew I was going to talk to you about it. <laughs> yes. Now, what do you think about that live performance? Because I've got my thoughts. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that uh, that uh, I have you know I I I would have done it differently. Really? You How know, so? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 not a performer. <laughs> oh no, me, but, me neither no, of that capacity. <laughs> yeah, I, had it been me, it would have definitely been different. You know, uh, no, but I would have. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, she perform. I I would have had more of the childlike character into it, mm. uh, and and she's very grown up where she stands there and then she makes movements like you know uh where she moves sort of uh uh you know with her hand up and the the, the her movements are not smooth they are sort of uh sort of bit uh, uh, like a puppet mm-hmm. uh and uh and um, yeah but uh no i don't know it's it's uh but more also, also the video is. Uh, I saw the video as well. Uh, she used, to, she made, and and I think that you know that they were trying to connect to the whole Peter Pan story. So they inserted another child, a girl, and uh, in, in into what what is there in the song. Uh, so uh, a lot of things come in when you're producing with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, I don't. I, uh, I, this is, uh, I basically, I, I relate to the words and what they mean to me mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and not as much as what they might, might mean to her, mm-hmm. uh, because that would uh, always be guesswork. I know she has said a few things about what, uh, this song, very little, but she has said something, uh, and, uh, and, um, that's fine. I don't need a lot of interpretation uh, from her side mm-hmm. to connect with the song. Yeah, she really you know, hasn't said much. Yeah, you're, you're. She really hasn't. I kind of had to really dig to see, like, has she really ever talked about this song? And the only yes. things that she's even said is that it's it's about childhood and that it's it does relate to the 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 Peter Pan story, but that's pretty much just like about. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, but she also talks about, you know, that it's it's uh, it's uh, it's about the uh, it's about how grown-ups uh, man- manipulate manipulate mm-hmm. manipulate manip- how do you say manipulate oh, mani- uh, manipulate they manipulate man- oh manipulate. It, that's a hard yeah, word to say don't worry <laughs> English is uh, weird yeah. How they how they manipulate uh, children and and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 you know the, it's like uh, uh, that it's between the two worlds uh, and uh, yeah and they yeah so and and I get that but only after hearing her saying it you know that that you know sometimes it it can be very annoying when you're told how to feel. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is basically you know the 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 song here. 
Yeah. Uh, she uh, told he uh, uh, his granny tells him that he's a poor kid. You know, <laughs> he just mm-hmm. runs out to her, and and she tells him, "Oh, you're a poor, poor you're a poor kid." You know, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of you. You you she puts a label on him, and uh, she tells him that that he's too sensitive. Like she she's mm-hmm. trying to tell him what to feel and how and and put a label on that and uh, and especially like with him being a guy and that oh well you're a guy you're supposed to be all big and tough don't cry yes exactly yes (laughs) which I think is utterly ridiculous because at least from like my experience with like my husband and like he he sometimes he needs to to let things out too and to be told oh you need to just keep it all in well that's not going to do you any good that's just going to turn yes. toxic Running into pyros at the school games she whispers that I'm a poor kid and granny takes me on the bed she tells me I'm too sensitive But basically, I mean, they, they, uh, the granny, she, she talks from a perspective of, of her, what she knows and what she understands and what she learned, has learned in her life. So she, she talks to him and defines him uh, from her angle. And, uh, and, uh, and he doesn't connect with her definitions and her, uh, the way she, 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 she sees him. Yeah, and uh, uh, and she said he. She says they took the game right out of it. Like they went, oh yeah, yeah. the all the adults she, going, oh you you took away the fun out of life, and now what, huh? Yeah, but also she makes me feel like an old man. Mm-hmm. You know, she makes me feel like I should, you know, that I should somehow fit into this uh, perspective that you have, which is some of somebody who's older. And then the fact that she quotes too, she she does the uh, um, when you wish upon a star, the like the the second star on the right, straight until morning, and then at the end when yes. you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. I almost kind of think that's like sarcastic. It's like she's going well, you know. They say that everything you should be able to just uh, wish on a star, and yay, everything's gonna be great. But um, in my experience so far, things are not great. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> but that is, I it, to me, it's. Uh, oh, I I've seen that differently. I've seen that that this is his wish. Oh really? Oh okay. He, yeah, yeah. When I am a man, I will be an astronaut and find Peter Pan, and he will go after it. Mm. You know, second star on the right, straight until morning. Uh, this is how I've seen it.
I see that. Yeah, that's, so his, you see that's it, his dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's his dream to just go go out there and and, and meet uh, uh, his hero out there. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I think, one of the things, and, and which also really is reflected in this song, uh, is that uh, none of this is advanced. None of her, there's no sentence here, none, no lyrics here that is advanced. Oh, uh, interesting. It is so simple. It's been such a long week, so much crying. I no longer see a future. It's very, very simple, you know, but it's right. so elegantly uh, sung. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and she doesn't, she doesn't, um, she, she paints a, a picture. She makes a story. She mm-hmm. doesn't, and this is one of the things she really does in her, uh, in her, her first album. She makes, you know, this picture. You have to, you have to, uh, 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 you have a whole sort of uh, a little a little fiction going on mm-hmm. where you base a story that you can dig into uh, but uh, none of this uh, it is uh, advanced it's quite simple now here's what Wayne Henderson had to say about this song take a listen yeah and I couldn't find any other real background on the song I searched around mm-hmm. and it just seems to be a pretty straightforward song about uh, searching for Peter Pan and maybe wanting to stay a child forever. But it's interesting how the song gets there, how she talks about her granny and uh, feeling like an old man. And, and then Dennis, do we have any background on who this Dennis is that <sighs> loves to look in the mirror? I say I interpret Dennis as like a friend of the narrator that it's, it's somebody who still kind of looks at the world in this kind of whimsical way, but the narrator is going through some sort of trauma. Like, I mean, like in the first few lines, it's been such a long week, so much crying. I no longer see a future makes me feel like, Oh, this could be a kid going through his parents divorcing or maybe Mm. his parents getting a new baby sister, baby brother, or just something that's really would be traumatic for a little kid. And, you know, I've been told when I get older that I'll understand it all, that it's the adults trying to going, oh, yeah, you know, it's okay. You'll, you'll, you'll get it when you're a little bit older and the kid going, hey, wait a minute, but, 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 but see what's going on. I I don't think I, no, 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 no. I don't want to understand this. What are you guys talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she even says so in the song, but I'm not sure if I want Mm -hmm. to understand it all. And, you know, I can kind of get it like when, when I was a kid and I would, if, if something big happened to somebody else or happened to me and, and they go, Oh no, it's going to be okay. You'll get it when you're older. And I'm kind of like, um, really? But I don't think I do. What? (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard to envision as a child, even what any of this could possibly mean when you get older. And then of course we always have some cases where, you know, it was a simpler time then not knowing all this stuff. It would be nice to be oblivious Mm -hmm. and, and just out, you know, riding your bike around town and uh, playing with, you know, the toys and just having a lot of fun. But uh, it's all part yeah. of the process. Yeah. So I just I interpret the song like that by the time we get to like Dennis, that it's that it's one of the narrator's other friends. And this other this other friend, you know, he tells me that he's beautiful 
So he looks in the mirror and he goes, oh, yeah, everything's all great. But when she gets this sentence, so I look to and what do I see? My eyes are full, but my face is empty. Makes me feel like, oh, I'm the, the narrator saying that he's he feel he or she feel like he's he's lived a lot and he's mm. just he's tired of life already but his friend is still like yay woohoo life is great flip side it's interesting that uh kate or the narrator in the song has a pinup of peter pan from a newspaper that they but at the same time says that they found it in a locket and they hide it in their pocket so that she she or he whoever the narrator is supposed to be in the song they they want to have peter pan with them all the time and carry it around and it's just such a vivid picture that the words that she uses I can envision this entire story, this song as a story, as a mini movie. that's what a lot of songs on this album are like mini movies like she's just she's telling such a an intricate story within just a couple of lines really and using a lot of really interesting vocal techniques you know trying to stretch at least a little bit oh yeah the, the double vocals in when they do the refrain about the second star on the right and then you also hear her just saying second star and and things like that and the way they mm-hmm. overlap and you can focus on either one and it's beautiful or you can hear them meld together and she's really growing and you know and then of course with never forever she stretches even further and you always think oh, wow yeah. what is she going to do next i haven't seen this type of growth since you know going through old beatles albums and you would see how they would grow from album to album kate just does it uh, to a whole nother level i think Supposedly one of the older songs that she include that she kind of went through like when when hey I need songs for this new album but yeah. there's been no cert- but there's no like demo like Kathy demo of insert right. of Peter Pan but it was supposedly yeah. one of the older songs. But yeah, well, she David- wrote this when she was a teenager. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, David Gilmore uh, said that the demo tape oh, well he got the demo tape and then he went down to the house to her parents' house, and she sat at the piano and played for him, mm-hmm. and an incredible number of songs. Like she had a ridiculous amount of songs that she had already, so he was astonished by that. So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, the no, second I, thing uh, that ha- I the see second, what you oh, mean. Go ahead. Oh, just that 
I, I love the music nerd, and so I, I love what you were talking about, where it suddenly changes, and you know, especially when I am a man. If I, mm. I wish I had the sheet music in front of me because I had a Kate Bush complete sheet music book, and I don't know where the hell it is. But yeah. then when it switches to When I Am a Man, it goes down to B minor. So right. it, goes, it starts in A minor, then it goes to C for that they took the game right out of it, and then it goes to B minor, and that's where you're kind of like, huh, what? where did this come from? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I love yeah. the, the way she goes, you know, I will be an astronaut and find yeah. I can't sing that high, but yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and she, neither can she anymore. But, uh, but I mean, yeah, and when it's in that sort of stratospheric um, second star on the right, straight on to morning, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like uh, you can't remember where how you got there. You can't remember, because you're hearing, you're in the moment hearing the song, you go like, I don't even remember how we got here. Like mm-hmm. now we're in a completely different place. And then she takes it back down into A minor and it's just like, oh, yeah, here we are. We're back at the beginning again. Yep. It's quite amazing. Quite amazing. So um, then there was, uh, I guess, last year. Um, I think it was last year. I had a particularly bad week, like bad week. I won't go into details. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I remember but uh, I was miserable. Uh, it, it probably was a combination of things. Um, might have been um, financial, could have been career, it could have been anything. Like I, I just, I was really depressed. And uh, I was playing the album, and I, I keyed into the lyrics. I know the lyrics is like this: this child. It's about this child has just had mm-hmm. a, he's had a bad day, <laughs> or exactly. she's had. Day. Yeah, I think it's a little boy. I do think it's a little boy too, because she, you know, she says, "When I am a man." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like the whole thing with Granny takes me on her knee. She tells me I'm too sensitive. It's like, oh well, you're right. a boy. Hey, you just you're need a to boy, yeah. suck it up and deal with it, kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yes, so a little boy. But the first verse, the first two. Um, you know what? I think I, I, I put on Facebook because, you know, I wanted people to feel sorry for me. <laughs> I put on Facebook the the first three verses right through to the chorus, I think, right through to straight on till morning. I just put that down there because it really was how I felt. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt helpless and buffeted and not in a good spot. And that song really, like, I thought this captures it because I could feel the child in me, you know. I could feel the hurt little boy in me. And mm-hmm. I went, this is what it feels like to when you're a little kid and you're sad. And then I went, oh, my God, it's, it's Peter Pan. It's that song. Mm-hmm. So lyrically, it, it took on a whole second meaning for me because it actually, 
rather than it just being this really amazing evocation of a of a of a child having a really bad is it week a wee bad week mm-hmm. uh, it became my story and so I kind of went wow so it became one of my favorite songs on the album so there you have it well and I agree I it's always been a favorite of mine I feel like it's really underrated a lot of people yeah. generally don't don't talk about it. I mean, just just Lionheart in general. It's kind of oh well, that's the album she was rushed into doing, so it's not as good. I don't yeah. see it that way at all. I agree. I think the thing about Lionheart is she herself has kind of a a low opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't seem to like to talk about it much and stuff. But it's really funny because it's the album that she had to go out and sell like she did all those i mean god knows she had to she had to play weathering heights seven million freaking times but um but the second album too Mm -hmm. and when she went out on the road she pretty much uh until the christmas special all she had were the, the the two albums worth of songs for her tour so i think at the time she probably was quite proud of both albums but um it may have been that she was already looking for more control of, of uh, in the studio and she was learning the studio at the same time and she was going, okay, I'm starting to grasp this and it'd be nice if I had more time. And she certainly got her revenge by, you know, taking years sometimes to record a record. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. which isn't good for us, but it's good for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, uh, I don't know. I think it's an amazing album. I, I, I think um, I think she underrates it, and I think uh, critics underrate it too. It is true, yeah. and probably it's like because she's kind of playing the role of a little of a younger child. So that's probably why yes. she doesn't have like big long sentences but it's not i mean and not also the words that in in some of the other songs that i she was not old herself when she wrote many of these and yeah. and 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 it's it's but but she just uh, 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 you know it's it's not so much the uh, that she uses advanced words or but it's that she uses simple words but she makes a great story with simple words, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and and of course her voice has mm-hmm. uh, the way she can drag a, a, a vowel uh, so that it it's just the right vowel to drag, you know. And yeah. It's just, uh, <laughs> and and uh, so you really feel that word and uh, in a completely different way. Also, she goes from high to low mm-hmm. uh, in the same vowel, you know. That she she's like she goes, ah, you know. From all the way down there to all the way up, and and that's that. It's that that is advanced, very advanced. But her words are very simple. Yeah, and uh, she she read. uses her voice like very much as on as an instrument on this album for like expressing. Yes these very complex emotions that like you said are written you're i'm looking at the lyrics right now and they are pretty simple but yes. it's it's telling a pretty complex story of like a loss basically a loss of innocence yes and like we were kind of talking about like adults manipulating you and yeah. 
Yeah, I I kind of see that with um, I teach, and so I can see that a little bit with sometimes the way that other adults kind of interact with the student with students. And yeah. I know I try not to do that when I teach because you know you're you're a young kid. You're you're kind of you need to figure out who you are versus what everybody is telling you to be. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, and also it's it's uh, I, I think uh, that it this also tells you know that you shouldn't you shouldn't tell children or anybody for that matter you know how they feel. Mm-hmm. You know you can tell them uh, that. You can say, "How do you feel?" <laughs> yeah, and then so how does say, that "Okay, make you I." Feel? A feeling is something that belongs to you, that doesn't belong to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And and you have a right to feel what you feel, but you may. It's more like you 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 can ask uh, about their actions, uh, how they're going to react to a feeling. But but a feeling is something that nobody should tell you. You know what how you should feel exactly and then later like you know they she said i took they took the game right out of it they made everything you know they made life really serious instead of happy and but i'm still going to hold on to this dream that i'm going to try and get back to my innocence and then yeah the dentist loves to look in the mirror he tells me he's beautiful so i look too and what do i see my eyes are full but my face is empty it's like well my friend is still all nice and innocent but i'm kind of i'm grown weary with life and everything bad going on and I'm not sure how to handle it but there's still kind of this hope that oh you know but I've got a pin up from a newspaper of Peter Pan I found it in a locket I hide it in my pocket that oh I'm yeah this is all that I keep secrets I have Mm -hmm. this uh, 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 secret little thing in it now you mentioned that these uh, two sentences here um my eyes are full, but my face is empty. Mm-hmm. I always interpreted that as, as, uh, as, you know, my face is empty. Like when you look at a child's face, you can't see the life he's lived yet because there, he's, uh, mm. he, there are no wrinkles that the skin is not affected by life yet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, uh, and but the eyes are full of you know life and expectations and dreams oh. and so, so so this is so I just you know that he is uh, uh, when you become a teenager already your your life starts reflecting on your face and mm-hmm. and it, it comes less uh, less childlike uh, so I've always seen it as you know that. He's just younger than Dennis, <laughs> mm. you know, and, he, uh, and he's still a child. And he's in my face that tells nothing, but my eyes are full. My, I have so many, uh, you know, uh, this is where, where all the, the, the hope is. And you also say that uh, your soul is reflected in your eyes. Mm-hmm. That that uh, that uh, that he's got a huge soul. That even though he's 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 he doesn't have a not a long list of experiences yet he has uh, uh he has a, a, a full soul but it's uh i don't know mm. it's uh this is uh maybe just my interpretation <laughs> i don't know yeah but i also think it's really cool too that in in this song that she's that she's one of one of the other things i really like about the song is that she continues to 
tell a story from a male point of view, even though she's a woman, but she's, it's obvious she's talking about a young boy that she, because when I'm a man, I will be an astronaut and find Peter Pan. And she makes me feel like an old man. So it's obvious, okay, this is, this is a young boy. And I like that even that she takes on so many different viewpoints and perspectives in her work. It's not just, oh, well, I'm a girl and I'm going to sing as a girl. No, I'm going to no, sing no, as no. a guy. And I th- yes. I don't think a lot of people really do that. Like, it's just, oh, well, I'm a girl and I'm going to sing about love because that's what I do. It's, she doesn't, Kate doesn't do that. But doesn't she do that quite often in her, uh, also in other songs? Yeah, like, She's I mean, like, there's when, the man when, with the child in his eyes. If you have this parent-child and... relationship, she doesn't sing as a daughter, but more as a son. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the whole uh, um, uh, cloud-busting thing also. Oh, uh, yeah. She's a son, you know. <laughs> She's oh, not, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, I, I don't think I've ever, you know, connecting to be a little girl. Mm-mm. It might be in some of her later work where I didn't uh, go that much into the lyrics, but uh, but uh, she's as a, it's like uh, she connects to being a little boy mm-hmm. more than being a little a little girl. So she she has no problem like going be- sliding between genders, and I find that really really intriguing about her and the fact that she does it very well Mm -hmm. i mean she does it as well as anybody she really i don't know if it's from having two older brothers and growing up and maybe sharing a lot of stories growing up but she has insight and she really knows how to do it well that if you didn't know that some of these songs or that all these songs were written by kate all by herself you would think possibly that some of them could have been written by a man because of how well she goes into that role. But no, it's all Kate mm-hmm. all the time, and she knows her stuff. Well, and it's cool to hear that from a guy because, I mean, I'm a girl. So, <laughs> so to right. hear from That's a guy true. that, oh, yeah, she's writing from a male point of view, and it's convincing. There you go. It's, it's magic. And the, the <laughs> tone on this whole album, you know, the kick inside had its own tone and feel and magic to it. And with the production on Lionheart and in search of Peter Pan, it has its own. And I love both albums and this track just, I I played it quite a few times this week leading up to our discussion here on the podcast, because I wanted it to be as fresh and in the forefront of my mind as possible. And for a while I, I was, uh, in a band and I played guitar, but I also switched to bass for a while and I loved it brought back memories of when I was uh, learning bass and playing bass along with this song. And so somebody at work, when I was listening to this track, I was like humming the bass part and they wondered what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way, were they asking? Uh, I'm not sure if it was a good way or not. It's just like, are you humming? (laughs) <laughs> I, I just make random noises sometimes during the day. But if it can be the baseline to In Search of Peter Pan, why not, I ask you? Why not? Mm-hmm. Actually, I find myself humming quite a bit of her stuff, too. But and again, like where I work, like if it's usually while my students are working and you know, I'm kind of like, mm-hmm, 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 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I didn't find terribly many quotes about the song, kind of like how you know you were looking around too. I did find something that she she did say about the song. Um, it's from a, a Lionheart promo cassette from EMI Canada. And she says here, there's a song on Lionheart called In Search of Peter Pan, and it's sort of about childhood. And the book itself is an absolutely amazing observation on paternal attitudes and the relationships between the parents, how it's reflected on the children. And I think it's a really heavy subject, you know, how a young, innocent mind can just be controlled, manipulated, and they don't necessarily want it to happen that way. And it's really just a song about that. Hmm. Kate, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I would love to, um, now that she has, you know, raised a child of her own, I, w- I wonder mm-hmm. if, if her viewpoint's any different. Knowing Kate, she's such a free spirit. It's probably not, but it'd be interesting to find <laughs> out. Plus, it would be interesting now that she has raised a child to see what she would do. I know she doesn't write sequels or anything, but this mm-hmm. one just, it's such a story that, uh, again, like I mentioned earlier about what would she do when she found Peter Pan? And now as a parent, I wonder uh, what she would do in a sequel or do the song differently I know she doesn't like to revisit her really early tracks, but gosh, I wish yeah. she would. I don't hear too many other people talk about this being one of their standout tracks on Lionheart, mm-hmm. and I don't get it. I, I think it is one of the top two tracks on the album, just in my opinion, and there's a lot of other great songs on there as well that I know you're going to cover on your podcast. Can't oh, definitely. to hear them. <laughs> well, like my personal thoughts on the song, I've always liked it. In fact... If I am in the right mood, like I was when I was listening to this and especially watching the uh, the live version of her doing this on the tour of life, honestly, it can make me weepy. I think it's the like the topic that it's it's like growing up and how hard it can be and her performance of it that just really get me. Like I'll I'll be I, I was watching it. And my husband he's kind of like, oh, are you okay? You should, is Kate making you a little sniffly? And I'm like, shut up, you see it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Under our pillows, we still catch his wicked whispers. When the wind hits the corner of the house, we know he is out there, dipping like a swallow in the storm. Perhaps tonight we will find we can fly again. And before we wake, we'll slip down the bluebell path to vanish at breakfast time in a fuzz of light and indigo. The staging for this song on the tour of life, which, as we mentioned, was the only time that this song was ever performed before a live audience, was pretty simple. The song begins with Kate's brother reading a poem, then Kate emerging from the stage in a blue leotard with an undone tie and her face very much made up, all sparkly. During parts of the song, she keeps looking up at something on the stage and we finally get to see toward the end of the video, 
that it is a light, presumably the second star on the right, straight on till morning, probably reference to that. And she uses her face to convey the anguish of these lyrics with this little boy who's going through a really rough time in his life. The staging is very simple, but very effective for this song. In fact, I can't think of any other way that she would have done this song. Especially the live version, which I kind of prefer just a tiny bit more over the um, the album version, probably because you don't get to hear Kate doing live stuff other than those two sets of concerts. And so it's really special when I do get to hear her just singing to an audience. And I think it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and on this one, like, it's it's for me it just sounds even more raw and emotional and it's already a pretty emotional story that she's telling and especially like the the looks on her face like she's such a performer with her face like she can just tell all sorts of things just like if just by scrunching her face in a particular she could have been a silent film actress i really think so Right. It, and even just with her eyes, whether she's looking up to the left and then they roll around and then they'll look down to the right. And and it's just interesting to see how she puts so much purpose behind all those things she does. Plus, like you mentioned, she's kind of a perfectionist. The fact that the, they've done so much rehearsing for the tour of life, as well as the later tour, that her and the band are so tight that they don't need to do any overdubs and it just what's raw is still close to perfect. Mm -hmm. Now, have you seen the, uh, I know it's, it's a bootleg because <laughs> unfortunately like the live performance of this was not released. Have you seen her performing the bootleg of her performing this on the tour of life? Yes, I've seen the, uh, because I had a VHS tape way back of the tour of life and it's since long worn out and the player doesn't work, but I did track down, somebody put together a good compilation of every performance that they could find to try to make a cohesive concert on YouTube. And mm -hmm. it's probably the same thing that's, that's on the bootleg and it's yep. watching that. I, even I, I was like, wow, I had no idea she did that song on the tour because I was so used to just what was on the VHS tape. And so there's so many gems in there, whether the lighting is a little low or, or whatever was weird with the videography of the event. It's just, that was quite a concert. She packed a lot of great tracks into one show, even back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
thank you so much for for being on the show today. It was great to talk to you. Yay! Always great to talk to other Cape fans, especially other fellow American fans. Yay! Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, doing the show and having me on uh, to talk about this. I've had a lot of fun, and you know where to find me for future episodes, but I'll be uh, listening to Mm -hmm. all the others. So thanks again. This has been fun. Oh, by the way, do you also want to do a plug, a little bit of a plug for uh, your podcast and everything that you do and where people can find you on social media if they agree that, hey, In Search of Peter Pan is an awesome track? Where can they find you? Find you. Oh, absolutely. That I'm easy to find. On Twitter, I'm at Wayne Henderson. On Facebook, I'm Wayne Henderson. On Instagram, I'm at Wayne Henderson. I, I try to keep it simple. Of course, I couldn't get that uh, exact domain for my voiceover work. I'm mediavoiceovers.com. I do voiceovers for, I've narrated an audiobook and I do a web video as well as some voiceovers for other people's podcasts for their intros and outros and things like that. My own podcast, we just finished up the football season, not in fine fashion this year on my Packers fan podcast. That's the show devoted to your 13 time NFL champion, Green Bay Packers, and also finished a podcast series about the science fiction TV series. Um, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, which was a very interesting science fiction series. And so we're kind of on podcast hiatus at the moment. But this summer, Stephen King has another series coming to Hulu called Castle Rock. And I will be doing the Castle Rock show uh, podcast devoted to Castle Rock coming this summer on Hulu. Awesome. Sounds good. Yay. I I keep myself busy. Indeed. Well, just like me, I always have tons of things going on. I got the podcast, got my music, got other stuff, and woo, my goodness, woo! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this was fun. I got to go. I'd uh, love to chat more because I don't get to talk about Kate Bush with people very much. (laughs) Me neither, actually. Except for my husband, though. My husband hears me talk about her a lot. (laughs) Well, we'll chat again. Sounds good. Okay, thank you so much for asking me to do this. Yep, and thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk about Kate. Yay. No problem. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So uh, thank you, and thank you for talking. Uh, Yep. So, um, and uh, I look look forward to to hearing it. Indeed, yep. I'll send you a rough edit when I'm all all done. Yes. Okay, (laughs) thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song or even a couple of songs that you would like to discuss with me on a future episode, or you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, or you just feel like chatting with another Kate fan, you can email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. You can find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast. And on Facebook, make sure to like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. We'll see everybody next week for a really wow episode. All about wow! See everybody then! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.